Hello, friends. Welcome to the Career Guru Podcast. I am your host, Steve Yanofsky. What a glorious day it is to start your path on a new career. Doors are opening here at the Boston Career Institute even as we speak. And I'm here holding the key for you. So tune in, stay sharp, and enjoy yourself. This is going to be great. Hashtag Let's Career Up. Hello, my friends, and welcome to their next installment of the Career Guru Podcast. I am your all-knowing, all-sensing, all-feeling, a fuzzball of a career guru, setting us off to yet another exciting excursion on all things career-related. Today, it is my most sincere pleasure to have a conversation about all things related to HR with my dear old friend, Henrietta Sinha. Say hello, Henrietta. Hello. Well, thank you for joining us. Before we get cracking on all of this, could you introduce yourself to the career guru land and tell us exactly who you are as far as HR is concerned, and then we'll take it from there. I see you added a disclaimer, Steve, about as far as HR is concerned. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> stick, we'll stick to the script. We'll stick to the script. So, you know, as uh, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I, I am honored to be on the Career Guru podcast. My name is Henrietta Sinha, to all your listeners out there. I've got about 20 years of experience doing all kinds of all things HR, um, you know, and HR, as we, you know, we, we will dive into it in a, in a couple of minutes, but there's there's various aspects of HR. So uh, I've, I enjoy, I'm passionate about HR. I enjoy doing the work I do. I've worked in very many industries, including BCI, if I may say so. I think that's, that's good enough for an introduction. I'm not the all-seeing, all-sensing guru, so we're limited to, to what we have right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Henrietta. Now, one of your accomplishments is being a member of a, an HR organization, which comes with all sorts of little initials. What is that little alphabet soup that you have next to your name uh, <laughs> that deals with HR? And what does that mean, the membership in that organization? Okay, so there are a couple of different organizations that, you know, I have certifications from. One is the Society for Human Resources Administration, also known as SHRM. And the other is the, the Human Resources Certification Institute, it's the HRCI. So these certifications, like any other certification, they basically mean that, you know, you have the qualifications to do. Um, you're an SME, so to speak, you're a subject matter expert, and you have the qualifications to do what these certifications qualify you to do. Well, I like that. SME, subject matter expert. I like it. So basically, any person who is able to learn some of the letters, earn the letters next to their name, become subject matter experts. Would that be considered a fair statement? Like, for example, some of our folks that complete our programs, you know, get letters like CRCST, Certified Registered Central Service Technicians, or Certified Medical Assistants. Does that make him a subject matter expert, would you say? Well... It depends, right? And yes, technically, they should be subject matter experts in, you know, whatever they've, they've been qualified to do. So typically, you know, you can, there are several certifications, at least in HR, you can, you know, you can basically enroll, get prep material, study, take a test. And if you pass the test, it means that you've been able to absorb some of the material and you'll be able to do work in that area, so to speak. So it's like 
the alphabet soup, as you call it, next to my name is basically like any other certification, you know. And it is the other thing about the the certifications that I have is that you have to recertify all the time. So you keep that, you know, you keep the information fresh. Um, you know, you're always looking at developments that are happening in the industry, and so you 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 know, it's it's you're keeping us abreast of developments, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. And uh, those uh, little letters that I mentioned for everybody who completes their training in, in BCI, they're responsible to do the same thing, continuing education and doing what it takes to stay abreast of the current industry standards and be subject matter experts. All right. Well, let's dive into our conversation about human resources. So human resources, what exactly is the purpose of human resources? Who do they bear allegiance to? Is it the employer or the employee? So that's a really good question. And I'm going to ask you, Steve, what do you think? Well, I believe they bear allegiance to the employer. Okay. That's who pays their salaries. (laughs) Well, you are right in a way, but I'm going to answer this question in a little roundabout fashion, right? So, um, you know, HR has evolved over a period of time. And, you know, there was this... probably dating myself and you as well, Steve, but way back when people would call this the personnel administration department, right? Mm-hmm. It was not it was not human resources. And from there there was a transition. It became human resources, you know, in the in the eighties and the nineties, and then maybe in the two thousands, people called HR talent management. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever, people this this function is is becoming you know increasingly becoming known as people operations right and then there's two words in that term it's people and operations so hr is you know technically i think straddles that that you know the balance between making sure that the organization the organization's best interests are safeguarded and at the same time, we advocate for the employee as well. So there are, you know, there's definitely a balance that that's in play here. And I think, uh, you know, we can talk about people operations a little bit more, you know, as we go through this podcast. But I, I you know, my my opinion, in my view, HR is there's a balance between making sure that the organization is cared for and who is, you know, the organization basically is made up of people in the organization, right? And so, um, so I think there's definitely a balance there. So the reason for my my question was, uh, you know, in in many people's minds, when they run into trouble, let's say with at the um, with other human beings that we're surrounded with in the workplace, people tend to turn to HR, and then there are some people who tend to not to turn to HR. So who is exactly HR to the people? Is this a friend or a foe? At the end of the day, if they turn to HR. What are the repercussions? What are some of the drawbacks to go into HR? Or should there not be any filters with what you bring your grievances to the human resources? Is there a chain of command? There's many little questions in what you just asked. <laughs> so you know, I'm going to try and strip that apart, right? So yes, there is a chain of command. I'll answer that last question first. Um, there's a chain of command. And some issues are more appropriately handled by your immediate supervisor, your immediate manager, and they'll be able to perhaps handle and resolve those at that level. Typically, if, you know, let me give you an example. I know you like stories, so let me go with one, right? And so <laughs> if... You know, if you came across a situation where you had a boss that was rude, a very... Never um, happens. Never. Never never happens at all. Um, you know, um, you, could, you could be in a little bit of a quandary, right? What, what 
and this is this happened to me in one of my prior jobs a senior employee came to me and said that their boss was extremely verbally abusive to them during a meeting right and in that situation they came to hr right i think the expectation would be that hr is you know, HR are the keepers of culture and the stewards of, you know, how people behave in an organization. And so that would be the appropriate thing to do in that instance, right? To go to to go to HR, to try and figure out how can we resolve this? And I know you spoke about conflict resolution in a, in a previous podcast as well. So I pay attention. Um, and so, yeah, I think there are, there are issues that, you, you know, I think it's appropriate to take to HR. And HR has, you know, they can be instrumental in bridging the gap between people, managers, and employees, right? And they're well-equipped to perform, you know, to reinforce expectations of appropriate workplace behavior. So really, when you speak with HR, and if you, if you did take, obviously, we're not talking about frivolous complaints. You, you don't want to inundate your HR professional with, you know, the he, sh- he said, she said all the time. But if you did take an issue to HR that is serious and you want, want it to be addressed, make sure that you have as much detail as possible, right? So, you know, you could... You could. This could include information about what was said, and you know um, the dates on those, whatever those interactions had occurred, why you think it's inappropriate, things like that. And those might not be the most comfortable conversations you would have with HR. But I think if you really want a resolution, you know, HR could help determine what are the next steps and how to proceed. And honestly, if there are issues in the workplace. If HR doesn't know about them, we can't help, right? So I think so. That's the, the you know one of the good things about that is that if you took it to HR, they could escalate to leadership and you know get help at the right at the appropriate level in the organization as well. Perfect. That's that's great answers. Thank you so much. I think that clarifies a lot uh, for the guru land and you know for me personally. Let's talk about what interests some of our folks as far as applying for work. Sure. Um, and. submitting resumes for employment, for instance, what are some of the things on the resume that may get an HR professional enthused or excited about a candidate? So here you are in the human resources and your computer gets a little ding that uh, somebody, there's a hit on the post that you placed and there comes their resume and you're looking it over. What are some of the qualities on the uh, individual? And mind you, I'm not talking about uh, people who are, uh, the, in the land of uh, PhDs where you have 10 of pages course. worth of resume. We're talking about, I don't want to say entry level, but anyone, just about vast majority of people out there, one page resume, boom, there it goes. What would be some of the great things that you'd be looking for that would get you excited to actually pick up the phone and call or send that email? So Steve, you are the career guru. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and to be honest, you are a resume writing expert and I learned a lot from you. Uh, when I was working at BCI, so you probably have you probably have more experience writing resumes than I do. But anyway, as an HR professional, right? What, what am I looking for in a resume? So I really want to see skills that match with the with the with the requirements of the job I'm posting, right? So as an example, if I want an entry level dental assistant, I don't want to see a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> right that's 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 overqualified but in general right i'd like to see information presented in a well organized and orderly manner so you know obviously you have contact information on the top so if i know i can you know i can uh, perhaps click a link you know go to the person's email address you know the the phone number is clearly stated on the top i want to understand what this person is looking for why do they apply for a position with my company 
a one-liner that says, you know, I'm looking for, right, an entry-level position, or, you know, I'm an exp I have X years of experience and I'm looking for this, right, something like that, that clearly tells me there is a match with, you know, the person's skills and what we're looking for. And then I'd like to see any education, training, experience, anything like that that is relevant and that, that can go in a resume. And, you know, that kind of like basically is the, the you know, the, the, the gist of what one is looking for. There are other things, right? I mean, you can you can look at, you know, in, in general, if you want to make your resume more attractive and if you uh, were to look at the job description or the job posting in detail, you could even pull in a few keywords from from your from the job description of the posting into your resume, right? To because a lot of times, and especially nowadays, people use job search sites like Indeed or you know Career Builder, and you know those do the the screening for you in some manner, right? And so they they send resumes over to employers and say, hey. Here is this this resume is an 85% match, or this resume is a 95% match based on the keywords that the, that the you know that the that is pulled from the posting into the resume. So those are the little trips, tips and tricks I think that can be valuable. Great, very good. That's that's wonderful. Uh, I think that's a lot of help to uh, to our to our friends in the Guru Land. Now let's switch a little bit to to the next step here. The um, the ever popular employee handbook that every organization goes through at the time of, let's say you got a job and the first thing they bring you in is for that popular orientation. We spend eight to 10 hours with a continental breakfast and the box lunch with the employer. And they go over various details of the employee handbook and they tell you where it is. How important is that? First of all, I, I, I sense that you have a negative, some sort of negative feelings towards orientation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've sat through enough of them and um, <laughs> uh, unfortunately for me, have um, not treated them seriously enough as I should have. Only when I became management material did I understand the importance of the orientation and what actually goes into the employee <laughs> handbook. Uh, you know, now I've had to write an employee handbook on more than one occasion at this point in time. And I got to tell you, from my standpoint, it's important. It's important to figure out where to find the information, know where it is, because it's going to come by and bite you on the fanny. <laughs> if you check off that box and says, I have read and understood. Most people do it blindly. But what does that really mean? The well, floor you is yours. <laughs> yeah, no, you make a good point, right? Because every employer will say, please, you know, sign that you've read and acknowledged the handbook, right? I mean, you've you read the handbook, so you've got to acknowledge that. So the way I look at it, right, and it is, it is, and to be honest, employee handbooks are, what, 40, 50 pages long? It's yeah. it's impossible, it's impossible to retain all of that information, right, at, you know, for any given amount of time. So typically you should have a copy of it with you. You should, if you don't have one, you should ask for it. But the way I look at this, even you're absolutely right, you know, as when, as soon as you cross over into being management or somewhat of, you know, an employer um, in, the, in that realm, you re begin to realize how important handbooks are, right? Because they kind of like, they're the guidelines within which, you know, the, the framework of operations, so to speak, for the, for the organization, right? So it's, so handbooks are the organization's way, the way I look at it, way of communicating the rules of engagement, right? And guidelines for employees. So those could comprise of policies, procedures, 
you know, different organizational do's and don'ts, dress code, for instance, right? Things like that, that govern everyday employee life. And they govern other things as well, like, you know, um, leave policies and, and you know, and, and, the, and, and the like. But I would recommend that employees read the handbook, understand the contents. You're not going to be tested on it by any stretch of imagination. You know, and if you don't, if you have any doubts, talk about the content, talk to your HR professional. And in general, if the, if the handbook says don't do something, I just wouldn't. You know, it's, 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 um, there's no reason to, right? Because handbooks are not restrictive. They basically, you know, they basically, like I said, they're a framework, they're guidelines. And it's not, to me, I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty standard. It's, it's standard material. For most handbooks, we can interchange one company's handbook for, the, for, for, the, for another's, and the language is very standard, right? I mean, I, I mentioned SHRM a few minutes ago, the Society for Human Resources Management. You can go on SHRM and build your handbook. It's very canned language, and so there's nothing, it's, it's, there's nothing scary about a handbook. Right? Of but course. It's, it's important, but it's important. But it goes on, you know, to something we already touched upon, and that's uh, basically who do you go to to address a grievance? Stuff like that would be in the handbook or, you know, what holidays Absolutely. are there, you know, paid holidays, unpaid holidays, days off, time off. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's, you have to base Absolutely. your actions in the, uh, with your employer on facts, and facts are found in the employee handbook. So, Great. I'm, I'm glad we got down, uh, you know, to the brass tacks here. And well, and I'll just add, and I'll just add, right. So there, like I said before, there are policies and procedures and that those could be specific to, you know, to the organization. But they also, typically handbooks will also outline benefits and, you know, what do you do to get shift differentials and what do you do, you know, how do you earn uh, overtime and what's, you know, how does that, how those, how are those overtime hours governed and paid out? So things like that, which are really important as well to, to employees. Right, right. Perfect. Very good. Okay. Well, let's see. What else did I want to ask you? I know there was something. Uh, oh, the money thing. I know what interests people a lot and that's the money thing. So a lot of people are really afraid of uh, mentioning how much they want to make. I know I have my approach to, um, uh, to this matter. And I always tell people, if you can't afford to start a job for the money that they're offering, don't do it. You will always be unhappy. So are there strategies that we can suggest to the people so they can negotiate the best possible rate if it's possible. Absolutely, right? I think I mentioned skills in the beginning, right? I think if you have the right skills, you can negotiate a higher salary for yourself, right? And typically companies, the way they do this is they look, typically, you know, a, a job commands a certain pay rate, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a particular geography maybe, and that's comparable to other jobs in the same location. So, you know, if 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 someone is starting off at $18 an hour in a particular job, chances are that, you know, that that's the same rate that that other people in other companies are also starting off at the same job, you know, as, as if, if, they're, if they're working in the same position. One of the ways you can differentiate yourself and distinguish yourself is if you had, you know, valuable experience, right? And Steve, I know that that Boston Career Institute has a couple of programs that, you know, that, that, teachers hands-on skills. Would you like to, you know, elaborate on that so I can use that as part of my example? Well, sure. I think all of our programs are hands-on skills. That's that's the thing about the Boston Career Institute that, 
you know, people who come here gain valuable skills. This is, you know, that's that's the main kicker to our program, together with the uh, internships that people get into as part of their training. So not only do they learn valuable hands-on skills here in our in our lab environments, but we also put them out to various organizations that we're affiliated with, and there's many. So when they when, when people walk out with their education, not only do they have the skills, they also have experience from an internship. So yes, you're absolutely right. So the dental assistant program, the medical assistance program, hospital central service technician program, medical ops administrator program, all of these programs come with hands-on skills and an internship. So yeah, you're right. So that's, so, you know, having those hands-on skills extremely invaluable so that, you know, employers are looking for people who can hit the ground running, right? And so if you've already got an internship, you've already been a dental assistant with a practice or a medical assistant with a hospital or a different practice, you already have the skills they're looking for and they would be more amenable to, to kind of paying, you know, uh, paying you a higher salary for that. You know, people, like you said, if someone is paying you less than what you think you should be paying, you should, get, you should be getting paid. You really, there's no reason for, for you to take that job. The, the other day I was, you know, I was listening to the radio and they were talking about how diff- how tight the job market is, especially for dental assistants. It's, it's impossible to get good trained, you know, employees for, for dental assisting. And there's, there's, there's a huge market for it. So um, I definitely think that 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 you know picking up these skills is 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 the way to go right and you you need to understand what's what the market is asking for you know what what jobs are available and going after those jobs yeah that's right i, I agree wholeheartedly i agree wholeheartedly well I, I think we touched upon all the subjects that i really wanted to address today in such a short period of time i sincerely hope that i can get you on again and again and again so we can address all other issues related to HR. Maybe we could get into some of the problem-solving techniques that people may have. What do you think? I'd be very happy to do it. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you, Henrietta. You are awesome. This has been a one amazing podcast. I think people are going to get a lot out of it. And again, I keep uh, looking for uh, for feedback from folks. Please, 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 please uh, reach out to us via our social media platforms and uh, let us know how we did today. Of course, I know we did great, you know, being, you know, all sensing, all feeling, all things career guru. I can tell from here that uh, it's been absolutely amazing. And of course, uh, with a guest like Henrietta, it's easy. So I'm looking forward to your comments and feedback. And of course, spread this around to all the people that you know. It's very helpful to understand what it is that you're up against. Career building is a great thing to engage in. And you have to know the rules of how to build a better career. And we're here to help you with that at the Boston Career Institute and any other place you choose to go. But with us in particular, we're here for you. Well, that's it. Let's uh, hashtag career up with career guru. And thank you once again, Henrietta. You're wonderful as always. Such a pleasure to be with you in the studio BCI. It's been a pleasure, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, friends and aspiring career gurus, this was fun. Thank you for tuning in. I feel enlightened. I feel empowered. And I hope you do too. And I'm feeling grateful that we spent time together. For more information about Boston Career Institute, please visit our website at www.bostoncareer.org. Boston Career Institute has three campuses, 
in Brookline, Malden, and Lowell, Massachusetts. You can call our toll-free number at 888-383-6058. For questions, comments, and or other information about our podcast, email bcipodcast at bostoncareer.org. The Career Guru Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Podbay FM, and of course, YouTube, or wherever you stream your podcasts. I'm looking forward to seeing you all soon. All the best to you. My name is Steve Yanofsky. I am the Career Guru. May God bless you. Hashtag, let's career up. <laughs>